This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. We are concluding our four-week series in Philippians chapter 4. Week, four weeks in chapter 4, 4 by 4 something like that. Yeah? Okay, listening, got it, absolutely. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. That's a promise for every believer, every follower of Jesus, that God's peace is with them. And I've spoken that over you. I've reminded myself of that promise. And I've been seeking to live in the promise of peace. Peace is a, a, a lot more pleasant environment to be in than war, aggravation, problem, strife. But God offers us, no matter what's happening around us, in us and in our reality, we can know His peace. So I'm praying and speaking this out again this morning and asking God that that would be our reality. So more and more of us would know that consistency of God's peace, which is not subject to circumstances, it's not subject to mood, it's not subject to what might happen or what might not happen, but it can be a living reality for each and every one of us. And as we bring this uh, short series to a conclusion, I'm going to talk about being content. And I wanted you to kind of work with me and think about what that word would mean to you. Think about that, what, what that actually is. And you know, when in Lancashire, when people say... Uh, how are you? We'd say, we're all right. It's just like standard. We might not be, but we still say it anyway. It's just kind of a, a natural reaction. What about if we said, I'm content? Just a thought. So let's look in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read a few verses. You may be very familiar with this chapter. It's a great letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And he's, as he's writing this, and he's coming to a conclusion of this chapter, he's thanking them from the gifts that they've sent to him that have supplied his needs and helped him to continue his ministry because their resources made it possible for him to do what he was called to do. He says this in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned but had no opportunity to show it. So they wanted to help, but they didn't know how to. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. It's quite a statement, isn't it? Learn to be content, whatever the circumstances. Learn to be content in any and every situation. So Paul's saying, this has not just happened to me. I've learned how to do this. Verse 13, he says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Then he gives a promise at verse 19. And he said, this has happened to me. And this can be your reality as well. He says, My God will meet all your needs according to his riches of glory in Christ Jesus. 
So Paul's describing massive contrasts, isn't he? There's a huge difference to being in need or being in a position of plenty, to be in want and to be in great supply. There's a, there's a big difference. He says, I have been in those situations. I've been in times when I really had big need. And of course, he's not just talking about financial resource. There was a lot of other situations, Paul in prison, Paul, Paul shipwrecked, Paul being, being uh, br brutalized, all this kind of stuff that Paul could remember. He was in need of help in those situations. He says, I know what it is to be in need and to be in plenty, to be well-fed or hungry. Big difference again. Most of us this morning, I'll speak for myself, Look quite well fed. We're doing okay, most of us. Now, that might not be your circumstances. I'm not making light of that if you're short of, of resource. But most of us, most of the time, are well fed. We can have what we need. Perhaps we have a little bit more than we need, and uh, that sh shows up. But we know what it is to be well fed, and we know what it is to be hungry. We, are, we sometimes say, don't we, I'm starving. You're not. You're just hungry. Big difference. I'm hungry. I'm well fed. I'm in need. I'm in plenty. Massive contrasts, polar opposites. So we might think that we come to a situation where I used to be in need, I used to be in hungry, but now I'm in plenty and now I am well fed. But the reality of it is, in our lives, it's... It's not just a season, because there will be times when we have needs. You might be financially well-resourced, but you will have other needs. You might not be financially resourced, but you have a great family and a great bunch of friends and, and a great, great life in, in, in community, but you don't, there's things that you're short of. So there's always times we're in need. There are times when I have loads of friends... And there are times when no one calls. There are times when I've got a list of people I've got to get back to because they've been ringing me. And other times, nobody calls. I was talking to a friend of mine who'd been uh, working with churches for 17 years and built up a lot of relationships with people. And he said, I used to get at least six calls a day. I got umpteen. Uh, that's, that's a term for a lot. I got a, I got a great deal of, of email, <laughs> emails from people. And he said, when I stopped doing that particular job for three weeks, I didn't get one phone call. That such was his relationship. And so we need to understand that. I believe that our, our worth doesn't come from how many people call us. Yeah, it doesn't come from, if I'm sick, how many people visit me. My worth doesn't come to how many likes I get on something on social media. That's not my worth. My value is in who I am in God. That's where my value really is. Now, it's great to have friends, but whether I've got friends or not, I can be content in who I am in God because God loves me unconditionally. God has given me a hope and a future. God never loses patience with me. God has given me everything I need for life, for relationship, for, for eternity. I've already got all those things. So, Paul, what Paul was talking about is not circumstantial. What Paul's talking about is his reality of what he has in God, that it's all been uh, provided in God. So, in this respect, I'm content. I'm not striving for more of something because I know more of that 
won't satisfy the way that more of Jesus will satisfy. I know that I might be in need right now, but God's coming through with supply. I know that I might feel weak right now, but God's strength is at work in me. Even when I feel weak, spiritually, physically, whatever, God's strength is working through me. I know that for a certain fact. On the authority of the Word of God and in my experience, I know that that is my reality. So well-fed, plenty, need, want, it's, I'm content. I'm content because God's coming through. God's there for me. God's not abandoned me. God's not kind of moved on to a more interesting project. Is there a more interesting project than me? Or you? There isn't because God is still involved in that. So Paul knew that. He was content. What does contentment look like for you when you're in your happy place? Yesterday, I was playing golf in the blazing sun with good friends. That's a happy place. I was content. When I came through these doors this morning, the sun was not shining. I'm manifestly not playing golf. Am I still content? I'm doing what I love to do, what I believe God called me to do, and the company's pretty, pretty special. I'm content, but this is not what I do 24-7. What about Monday morning? When I have to do the staff meeting. What, what, about, <laughs> what about other thing, situations and circumstances that you are going to face this week? Are you content in those? Is, is, that, is that your happy place? Thursday afternoon, I was at, at the park at the bottom of our street with my, with my grandsons. I was content in seeing them enjoy themselves. That was a happy place for me. You will have your happy place. You can just think, you can picture something in your mind, and it might be, you know, sat in your living room with a cup of coffee and, and a good book, or are you reading the Bible, or you're watching a favorite thing on TV, or you just got your family all around you. That's a content place. But what about when they're not there? What about when you run out of coffee or someone makes you an instant coffee? God help us. What? What about those times? What about those times? Am I content? Paul said, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I've learned to be content in any and every situation. So your circumstances this week might be bad news. You might get an unexpected bill. You might get bad news about a family friend or your own health. You might, all of these things happen because that's life. It's called life, isn't it? And it happens to us all. We are never going to be in a place where we, it's all sorted. The mortgage is paid off and the kids are, have left up and, and stuff like that. It, it's, that'll be my happy place. No, because at that place, there will still be challenges because that's life. And, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy, I'll be content if we have a good summer. Well, you have no control over that any more than I have. And uh, the last couple of days have been great, but the rest of June. And there will be weather tomorrow. There'll be weather the day after. Yeah. It will be weather. It might not be defined as good, but it will be weather. And there will be change. And there will be chaos and there will be challenge, and there will be disappointment, and there will be God coming through big in victory, and you will prove God through those circumstances because His strength and supply is always, will always be what you need. 
So I can be, you can be, just like Paul, content. Whatever the circumstances in each and every situation. So don't think you're being badly done to because I've got all these challenges. Jeff, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm going through. Maybe true. I have, I have had a few of my own and have a few of my own right now. But I'm content in what God has done for me and who I am in God. Contentment is not about circumstances. It's about reality of who we are in God. And Paul absolutely knew that. Paul was content, whatever. It's about who we are and what we have in God. In uh, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul said this, talking about God, he said, he's, he's on, talking about the strength to live for God. He says, his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty, is a mighty strength that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him on the right hand in the heavenly realms. Imagine that. The strength that's working in us is the same strength, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same strength. Extraordinary, that is. That's amazing to me. Get hold of this idea that it, it, to bring Jesus back from the dead, it's the same strength that's at work in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Christ in you working to make you the person who God's always called you to do. It's the same strength. So we have strength from God, the same strength that God used, worked in his son Jesus to raise him to the dead. The same supply. He meets our needs according to his unlimited resources. I don't know anybody with unlimited resources apart from God. Because by, by distinction, definition rather, it's a pretty impossible place to be because circumstances change and, and resources can reduce. But God's resource is unlimited. His strength is for you. The same strength that rose Jesus from the dead, the same supply that is at work in you right now. So be content. It's easy to say, for me to say, to you and to myself, be content when we don't know, when I don't know what your challenge is right now. But I believe, because of God's strength, a work in you, available to you, and because of God's supply in your life, we can be content. Christian contentment comes from knowing God. It comes from knowing God, as I've already said, loves us unconditionally. It comes, it comes from knowing that God believes in us wholeheartedly, that he never gives up on us, that God's love for us is not dependent on our performance. It's not dependent on us never getting anything wrong because we do. It's not dependent on us never mess, messing up because we know that sin has no hold on us as we sang because grace holds me now. And I live in grace and I do make mistakes, and I do things that I thought, why did I do that? And I have to say to God, sorry, but I know the grace. I've got grace. Grace holds me now. So Paul said you can learn to be content. There's something in this idea that we can learn. You know, I, I could say, well, you know, I would like to uh, win, the, win the next Olympics. I would like to uh, win the 100 meters. 
What's my chances? Less than none. Because I'm probably, my legs were never long enough for a start. So that's a, that's a disability. So that, I'm, and I'm too, and I'm way too old. I'm way too old to start now. It is impossible for me to be able to do that. But there are certain skills that we can all learn. Sometimes we wish, I wish I, I could speak another language. I, I wish I could, I, I could learn another skill. Well, you can have those skills, but you have to learn them. There needs to be an application to learn something. It wasn't, oh, yeah, God, please, I'd love to be able to speak Spanish by uh, two weeks on Sunday when I go on my holidays. That's a crazy prayer, right? That's a crazy prayer. The right, the right thing to do is, God, will you help me to learn to apply myself to learn that language or whatever, but maybe two weeks on Sunday is a bit too short a time to do that. But we can learn things. And Paul, this incredible apostle, this, this giant of a figure in the New Testament, says, I have learned. This has not been just deposited into me. This has not just happened to me. I have learned. So what Paul said, there's been a struggle. He's actually saying there's been a struggle here. I've had to learn to be content. Because sometimes when my prayers are not answered the way I want them to be, when I don't get to do what I believe I want to do, or I believe what God's told me to do, and it hasn't gone as straightforward as I expected it were to do, he says, I have learned to be content in those situation. And we learn, and as we heard last week and the week before, it's largely about our, what we focus on. We looked at verses 8 and 9 about the things we should focus and on the example we should follow. And we looked at that closely and said, we've got to focus on these things because it's what we entertain in our mind. It's what we welcome into our, into our lives. It's, it's what we celebrate and, and, and what we tolerate that come into our minds that does have a massive impact on whether we have peace or whether we don't have peace. It's a huge part of of that. It's what we focus on, what we give house room to. to. And he says, though Christ, he says, I'm doing this through Christ who gave me strength and who meets my need. Contentment gives us confidence and we can learn to be content. We can learn contentment in God. When we focus on who we are in God, when we focus on what God's done for us, when we focus and concentrate on the things we should be thinking about and don't give house room to the things that we need to get rid of. We can be content no matter what because of His strength and supply. In order to stand firm in faith and to live for Jesus, we need to connect with this whole idea that God wants to give us strength and He is our supply. But sometimes we cannot see things as they are. In fact, how things appear seem to be difficulty, problems. I'm dominated by this situation. I, I, I had a great job, but I've lost my job. I, I had good health, and I'm in poor health. I had some resource, and now that's disappeared. I had good friends, and they've disappeared. And, and I, ha I was in a good relationship. I'm not in that situation right now. And it sometimes can be things, I had this but here I am right now. I can't see, God, how you're going to get me out of this. I can't see the future is bright. I can't see uh, the prospects are looking good. But God can help us to open our eyes to see that. There's a, 
there's an extraordinary story in the book of 2 Kings, and we're going to read a couple of verses, a few verses in there. It's the situation was that the, 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 uh, the, the, prophet, the prophet was speaking words, or, uh, Elisha, the prophet, was telling the king of Israel what his enemies were planning to do. And the king of Aram, Aram couldn't get his head around this idea. What's happening here? How come? I'm, ta- I'm saying these things in secret. But then his, 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 his kind of advisors tell him, well, this guy in Israel, this, this prophet called Elisha, God's revealing things to him, and he's telling the king. So whenever you, we, they came to attack, God's army, the, the people of Israel, their army, were ready for those attacks. And he said, let's get rid of this guy, Elisha. Let's, let's send an army. Let's, let, let, let's, uh, let's kill him. Let's get rid of the problem, and then we'll be able to conquer that nation. And so we pick it up at this point when the army's advancing on Elisha and um, his executive assistant. It says this in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Ridiculous, there's two of them, right? He's saying this when there's two of them. So there's more of us, two. Lousy at maths, isn't he? He's surrounded by an army and there's two of them. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. That, that was the truth. That's what you could see. Two people against an army. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he, he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses, of chariots of fire all around Elisha. So God opened his eyes because Elisha could see that there was protection for them, but the, but, but the servant could only see the army that was advancing against them. And the story goes on that, 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 that Elijah, Elisha prayed and, and, and the army was blinded and he led them away and, 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 and then they, they released them and, and, and it was all, it had a happy ending. But the problem, the, the situation was, Elisha could see God's provision, God's strength and supply, but his, his, his executive assistant, called his servant in what we read, he could not see that provision, that protection. Yeah. And sometimes we feel totally hemmed in. Sometimes we feel that things are against us. It's one challenge after another. It's like everyone's against me or everything is against me and, and circumstances are against me. And, and not, It's all kind of crowding in on us and we, we've probably all at some point been in that position and maybe in the future. But God says, let him see. And God showed him that the provision of God, the protection was around Elisha, but I also like to think, using a bit of license, that the protection wasn't only around Elisha, but it was all it, it, it also surrounded the army that was coming against it. So God's got your challenges, your difficulties, your enemies, your problems, your circumstances, He's got them surrounded. They've got no chance against what God can do in you and me because His strength and supply is greater than anything that can ever 
come against us. Those who are with us are more. Are more. There's two of us. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And that is the reality of what was happening in this situation. So we can learn to see that. Elisha could see things through God, revelation of God. When there was a stream full of pollution and poison, he saw potential for that to be clear water. When there was a widow's son that died, he saw life. He prayed and God raised the boy from, from the dead. Both Paul and Elijah had the ability to see the unseen, and so do we. So do we, because we can see the reality of that God is greater than anything that comes against us. God, we can see the reality that our enemies are outnumbered not, it's not us that are outnumbered because of God's strength and God's supply. We can learn to see that God's presence is there for us. God wants us to show himself strong on our behalf working through us. And it sometimes takes us to be in need. It sometimes takes us to be in want. It sometimes takes us to be hungry before we can see what is actually for us and not against us. And God can use the circumstances that we have to be the lens that we can look through to see the strength and the supply that can come from God. Elisha didn't pray that God would send help because he knew the help was already there. And sometimes, God, will you be with me? Don't pray that. He is. He lives in you. God, will you show up? And I'm here. I mean, why are you asking me to come when I'm here? Why would you do that? You know, if I was to get my phone and, and, and ring each of you and say, Will you, why, why are you in church this morning? I'm doing that all the time, obviously. But it, you're here. You're here. It would be a ridiculous thing to say because you're here. And, and so why are we asking God to turn up when he's here? Because his strength and supply is here. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The same supply that met the need in this situation and in every situation is also my supply. God the Father sent his son Jesus to show us the love on the cross. And the cross is the place where my lack and weakness meets his strength and supply. Because he meets that need. My need of forgiveness, my need of hope, my need of a future. You may feel at times like you're surrounded. You may feel at times like, actually, what I can see is a bad circumstance. How can I know the peace of God in that circumstance? Because Paul says, I've learned to be content in every circumstances. I've learned to be content in each and every situation. We can learn to understand that God's strength and supply is there for us. His supply meets our need. We can see through the eyes of our hearts that our help is not on the way. Our help is already here. We can see that we're not waiting for God to turn up. God, will you turn up in my situation? It's already there. And I can be content to say, God, I know you're coming through. So I want to speak into that for you this morning, that your need may be great. 
Your circumstance might be a huge challenge right now, but understand you can be content in Him, no need to worry, because God's strength is at work in you right now. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. That same supply that has met your need in the past can meet your need in the present. And yes, it might be a season, but let's not God say, God, will you just sort this, then everything will be fine, because the reality is there's another challenge coming. There's another situation that we need to know God in. This is life, but we can be confident and content in knowing that God will always come through for us every time. Paul says, I am content whatever the circumstances and in every situation. I wonder whether you would be able to say the same. I am content in every situation, whatever the circumstances and in each and every situation. Let's see if it, let's try. Let's try. What's the best that can happen? If we make the confession this morning, what's the best that can happen? That God can see our faith and respond to that faith and keep giving us more strength, more supply at this situation. So I'm going to say it. And if one person repeats after me, that's fine. You win. But if we all repeat it and make this faith statement, what's the best that can happen? I've nothing to lose. I've everything to gain. But actually, I'm making a faith statement here. I'm going to say this. So let, let, let's, let's, let's give it a try. I am content in every circumstance, in each and every situation. It's a confession. I am content. Let me speak this over you, Paul's parting shot at the end of this letter. Maybe you could say this as well. I can do all this. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. Great. I would love you to be more convinced. But it's what happens in your heart is more important than how the volume. But there's something to be said about confession. It's very significant when we confess our faith in Jesus. You can't be a secret Christian. You can't be a secret believer. The Bible says we have to confess. We confess it with our mouth. And I believe that consistently, I need to be a confessor. Not Edward the confessor. Jeff the confessor. I confess that I can do all things, all this, through Christ who strengthens me. His strength, His supply, his peace means that I am content. Church, may the God of peace be with you. And you, and you, and all of us. May the God of peace be with you. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.